The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including Gate Global Impact, Seed Equity Ventures, and Patch of Land. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. I'm a Forbes contributor covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. And today we've got a great power impact investor with us today. Nancy Fund is the founder and managing partner of DBL Partners. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Devin. It's great to be here. We're really thrilled to have you. It's exciting to have you on the show. You've made some incredible investments in this space. Uh, I, I think especially uh, you're in Tesla and Solar City. Uh, those are uh, pretty big deals to be a part of. Absolutely. It's been, a, it's been a wild ride, but one that's been really uh, satisfying and, of course, helping to change our energy footprint for the 21st century. When did you get into those deals? Uh, back in 2005, 2007, uh, quite early, we were first, in the first institutional rounds of both of those companies. Wow. What, what, what an opportunity. That's, uh, that's kind of a life-changing opportunity to be in deals like that. Well, I congratulate you. Thank you. It was you have a lot of insights to share as a result. And I think uh, you, you shared with me in advance of our interview and a pre-interview interview, we you, you told me uh, three really interesting insights that uh, I want to just dig deeper with you. The first is that you you predict a real transformation in the energy world over the next decade. And that's really exciting to me, something I'm passionate about. But share your thoughts on the transformation of energy as, as someone who's invested in Tesla and Solar City. Yeah, you're right, Devin. It is exciting. And what's interesting is it's not that unlike other revolutions we've all lived through from the analog phone to the smartphone, from mainframes to minis to, to smartphones, uh, radio from terrestrial to internet. We've all lived through these revolutions in other sectors, but it just haven't, hasn't happened in energy yet. You know, we've lived with our grandfather's 100-year-old electricity system. And now that's changing because we have different needs. We, we can bring the mobility, the personalization, the, the cost performance increase to energy the way we have in all the other sectors of our lives. So it's, it's really exciting. The only difference is that we're not used to it because we, you know, a lot of us never even knew where our meter was. <laughs> and, and now we're, we're entering an age where we're going to be literate and we're going to derive the benefits of, of uh, personalization and cost reduction that we've seen in other facets of our lives. One of uh, our followers, Sweeney Chabra, asked, uh, I thought, a really insightful question uh, via LinkedIn. She's, she has said, with, with gas prices at all-time lows, it's more difficult to convince the masses of the benefits of a low-carbon economy. What are some ways to keep the momentum going? What do you think as an investor? Well, you know, we, I get asked that question a lot. And in the United States, oil is not is not a player in electricity anymore. It was years ago. You know, we have coal, we have natural gas, we have hydro, we have increasingly renewables. Renewables made up about 70% of, of new energy uh, generation sources last year. So we are in the middle of that inflection point. And so oil isn't really um, a variable in, in terms of, 
electricity in our homes. It's obviously a variable in transportation, but as you see the costs coming down, the adoption of electric vehicles go up, costs coming down for batteries I'm talking about, uh, you're going to see over the life cycle analysis of an automobile that electric is, is still going to be an extremely compelling choice. And you don't have the volatility that you have in oil prices that we witness. You know, well, and as, as an investor in Tesla, I think you'd have a better understanding of these things than I do. But it seems to me that there is some real benefits to owning a Tesla versus even a comparably priced BMW or Mercedes, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, when people ride an electric car for the first time and that that acceleration is just fun. I mean, it, it is a thrilling experience. So people love their cars. They love to drive. Um, electric vehicles uh, satisfy that uh, across all dimensions. And then when you figure out that you don't have to go to the gas station, you can just plug it in like you plug in your phone every night. It's really easy. And, and so you get a win-win. There's no sacrifice in terms of protecting our planet from climate change. In fact, you get a superior experience. That, that may be what drives the momentum going forward is the, just the, the flat out superiority of a, an electric powertrain. Now, let's talk a little bit more about your second observation. This is interesting. You suggest that millennials are going to create a real shift in the workplace. Uh, tell me more about your thinking there. You, you and I are not millennials. So what's your perspective on that? Well, I'm not the first one to make the observation that millennials are changing the world around us. <laughs> I think we're all we're all uh, living that day by day. Anyone that has uh, millennial children, as I do, uh, but what's important is to to see that millennials really want different things than um, generations that are that are older than they are, and they want meaning. They want um, they want authenticity. They want truth. They don't want canned job descriptions and and career. Uh, platitudes. They, they want it to work for them and they, they want the real thing. And so what we're seeing is career building and, and recruiting completely being reshaped because of these needs. And that's a super opportunity uh, to create companies that are kind of linked in for the rest of us. I mean, one company we've invested in called The Muse in New York City, uh, it, one in four one in four millennials has used that site to help them in those years after college or in those early 20 years uh, to understand the workplace, to find their place in it, and to get authentic um, coaching, uh, recruiting tools, uh, something that really has resulted in uh, people that don't usually get access to, to career uh, building assistance so that it's, it's used, it's thirds women, it's 50% minority, uh, so that this is really something that the pioneers like LinkedIn haven't really been able to address as well. And so I think we're going to see a much more authentic kind of um, career building in as millennials take over. Well, it is an interesting observation. I appreciate you making that. The, the third observation that you made, Nancy, was that our food supply will undergo radical changes driven both by technology and consumer demand. What are you seeing going on there? That's kind of an exciting idea. I, I say that as, as one who's chosen to re, re, relatively recently to be a vegan. And so I'm kind of interested in food choice trends and things. 
Well, good for you. And you're going to have so many more options uh, to be a vegan. And, and again, that no sacrifice theme that we like to talk about, you're going to have incredible drinks and, and foods uh, that answer your desire to, to eat nutritiously and, and along a certain path, the way that you couldn't have done even five or 10 years ago. So, uh, and there are all kinds of uh, investments that we're making that, that go after that. That, that desire to, to eat nutritious but delicious food at, at a reasonable price. And then on the supply side of it, um, you know, farming hasn't really been disrupted. Uh, and it's a huge uh, market, a huge industry, as, as we well know, and it's super important. We need to feed a lot of people on this planet and do it in a sustainable way. And what we're seeing is that there are companies out there, uh, one of them we've invested in, Farmers Business Network, for example, that use big data to help farmers build their communities, to, to unlock all of that information that they collect all the time with, with sensors on their tractors about yield, about planting regimens, about um, fertilizer, um, all of the, the tools in, in a farmer's toolkit. Now they get to see and compare notes with, with their neighbors about what's working and what isn't. And it's objective, it's truth. It's, it's not something that's fed through the seed vendors or the chemical suppliers. And that's very empowering and allows uh, farmers to make better decisions, make, have better yields, have healthier soil and practices and, and make a better living, which is important because uh, the margins on farming often are, are thin. And so we need to do everything we can to make farming a, it's strong life and lifestyle. That's uh, really a, an interesting trend. Are there any other trends or observations, these big macro trends you're talking about? Uh, are there others you'd want to mention while we've got you? Well, I would say uh, back to the, the energy area, everyone is really excited about the ability of energy storage as it comes down in price, like the, the batteries in an electric car, being used in stationary applications where they can extend the life of solar and wind resources by storing them when the sun's not shining or the wind's not blowing and, and therefore uh, being used as a grid tool. And so that, that combination of solar or, re, or renewables and storage and also demand response automatically reducing your load by flipping off some lights when the grid is, is overtaxed, all of that can be combined now to uh, shape the load curve in a way we never could before without having to build super expensive new generation, new transmission, new distribution. We can do it all uh, through what we have and, and through upgrading that and, and make, making every uh, building uh, its own little power plant. There are exciting elements in our future. It's just fun. Well, Nancy, you have become a real role model in this space because of your success as an investor. I wonder if you would tell us who you look up to, who inspires you? Well, of course, I'm inspired every day by my, my CEOs who are out there really in, in the front lines getting beat up every day and, and coming back and, and going for more. Uh, but if I had to choose one, one person I admire, and, and I just want to preface it by um, saying that some of my non-California friends and colleagues will think this is the insufferable Californian in me, <laughs> uh, thinking that we're but I have to say that our governor, Brown, uh, has been a leader and an inspiration to many, uh, not just recently, but, you know, since 
uh, for decades. And you know, he was protecting the climate when climate wasn't cool. He really went after uh, environmental and sustainability issues in his first term as governor many decades ago. And, and, and now as he does sort of the victory lap as, as he approaches his last term, he has become uh, a leader and, and, and uh, lighting the way for people to really see how you can have a great economy and still uh, uh, make the planet a sustainable place to live. And, and so many people try to link those two in a negative way that, oh, if we protect the planet, we'll ruin our economy. Not so. And I think uh, the California experience and the policies that Governor Brown and others uh, in throughout the state and the people, especially the people that he's appointed over the years, we've been able to unhinge uh, economic growth from, from climate protection. And in fact, um, he has shown us the way that when we, when we invest in the climate, when we protect the climate, we actually create jobs and, uh, and continue the trend of innovation that has made our state so, so strong. Now, this oil glut we're experiencing is a result of the fact that economic growth is no longer directly coupled with the uh, with oil production. In fact, the econ global economy is growing and consumption of oil is going down. That is a really exciting milestone for us to see in the world. So uh, great point. Great point about those policies. Now, and, and Governor Brown, I wonder, as you think back on your career, I wonder if we could just tap into why you care about investing for impact. And I realize that it is a wise thing to do, right? That, that, that we all should do this, uh, right? But what I'm wondering is what called you personally to do this relatively early in the, in the cycle, if you will, of, of impact investing? What got you going there? Well, it, it, you know, it's obviously it's been a journey and I've always loved entrepreneurs. I mean, my father uh, invented things in our basement and, and we, we helped him manufacture and market the products he developed sort of as his, as his side job. Um, and so it, entrepreneurs and innovation are, are part of my DNA. Uh, but I'm also, I've also always been um, interested in policy and driven by the ability of policy to make the world a better place. The day after I graduated from college, I went to Washington and I worked for the Sierra Club. I worked on the Alaska Wilderness Protection Act uh, and other, other projects. So this is a part of my identity. I just never was really able to combine those two facets of what were important to me in, until um, more, you know, later in my career. And I have to go back to Jerry Brown because one of the first jobs they ever had, I did a report for something he created uh, called the Office of Appropriate Technology, which is long gone. A uh, subsequent governor abolished it. But that has really been a map for me that, you know, technology improves our lives in so many ways. But what, what that office focused on was making sure that technology nourishes our economy, it nourishes our soul, nourishes our planet, uh, and, and isn't in opposition. To, to what's what's good on, on those levels. So that ethic has always been part of uh, the excitement of investing for me. And when we, as the country and became and the world became more aware of the impact of global warming, uh, we really seized the opportunity and said, okay, it's time it's time to blend entrepreneurship and the benefits of the entrepreneurial economy with with solving our 
some of our most pressing problems. Uh, that's that's a great observation. Now, the last question I want to ask before you go is to tap into your expertise for an impact hack. We, we want some tip that would help us do more good in the world. What What's yours? Well, something that I do a lot is I, when I hear conventional wisdom that is not so wise, I, I'm a big fan of using data-driven analysis presented in a nonpartisan, kind of lay-oriented way and getting people to change their minds and to see that the old way of looking at things is not the way the future is headed. And if you go on our website, we've written a lot of reports. Everyone says, oh, renewables are subsidized way more than other other energy sources. Not true. In fact, not even true 100 years. If you look at the history of our, our country, we've always subsidized new energy sources, and renewables are subsidized less than fossil and nuclear were in their early days. People say renewables will, will lead to higher electricity prices. We did a study that said, actually, not true if you if you compare low performing states on renewables with high performing uh, um, clean energy is a partisan issue actually there are red blue and purple states that have that are leaders in various facets of clean energy so I think that it's important to take the kind of religion out of out of entrepreneurship and social impact and substitute fact-based analysis that that looks at costs looks at benefits and that way, we can um, can make people less polarized and, and get on with the work at hand. Uh, I think that is an interesting insight to you know to take the religion out of it and to focus on the data. Uh, that that's really a great tip. I think a powerful impact hack for us. Well, Nancy, I know there are a lot of people who are interested in you, and and they'll watch this and they'll want to learn more and get in touch. So how can people learn more about your work and get in touch with you? Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Nancy Fund DBL, uh, our website, uh, DBL partners. Um, check that out. We've got all of these resource research reports I've mentioned, our deals that we're working on thoughts that we're having. And of course you can, you can email us. Uh, all of our addresses are on the site, and and uh, we really th uh, thrive on the input from others, and 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 are inspired by the, the kinds of uh, innovation that we see uh, every day. So we're our door is always open to, to those that would like to learn more about what we're doing and, and see if we can help as well. Nancy, thank you very much for being with us today. We we wish you every success in your uh, investing for impact. Well, thank you, Devin. Thanks for, for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. All righty. Let's do some good. At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact, GGI, uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Seed Equity Ventures is a registered broker-dealer with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and a member of both FINRA and SIPC, providing investment banking services to startups globally. Seed Equity's mission is to find the best and brightest entrepreneurs and connect them with global investors. 
Patch of Land is the leader in real estate crowdfunding with a mission to provide real estate entrepreneurs with easy access to capital from thousands of investors who want to invest in the revitalization of American neighborhoods. Patch of Land is building wealth and growing communities. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devin hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.